This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is uh, Mission Possible, Not Impossible. And um, my name is John Baxter. I am the Human Resources Director and do whatever else they ask me at Adventist Frontier Missions. Um, this session, if you didn't know, is called Global Mission, um, How to Be a Missionary. And we're going to talk briefly, and it's really far too briefly, about the fruits of mission service, the types of mission service, the qualifications of a missionary, and then thankfully, I have some friends here who are, have served and are going to serve, and I'm going to ask them some questions so you can get some input from people who have served. Um, my family and I, we served as missionaries for almost 10 years in India. My wife is the one dressed in that nice little shawl because she's cold. Say hi, honey. There you go. And, uh, well, my other da our daughters are sitting to her left and then two chairs to the right. So I'm glad they're here with us today. So a couple of housekeeping items. Number one, on your chair, if you sat in the front, um, you should have a piece of paper that says notes, so you can take notes if you want. If you don't have a pen, we have extra pens, um, or you can put it all on your phone if you want to do that. Um, if you flip that piece of paper over on the back, there's a few of the Bible texts, many texts in the Bible that challenge us to go and be missionaries. Those are just a few of them. Underneath that is a magazine that you can use at, kind of like as a surface to write on if you're taking notes but it's also a good magazine to just read when you get a chance. Inside that magazine are a couple things. Number one, there's a DVD. I don't know how many of you have computers anymore that have DVD drives, but there you go. And I'm going to give you another DVD as you walk out the door. Um, and then you'll have a letter from me saying, hey, I want to try to help you. So if you feel like the Holy Spirit's calling you to do mission service, I genuinely want to help you. And there's a couple ways I can do that. Number one, I work for a ministry called Adventist Frontier Missions, and I can help you with that. But also in that um, packet of information that you got, there is a list of different missionary organizations and what they do. Now, I'm not going to go through each one of those specifically. There's a brief description there, and there should be contact information for you on that. As well, uh, I checked on the, um, on the gycweb.org website, and they have a list of those agencies, and then you can click on those agencies, and that'll tell you how to get in touch with them if you want more information. So I was very thankful I was able to sit in um, for the meeting prior to this, talking about uh, Outpost Centers International and some of the ministry that they're doing. So if you have a specific skill and you're not sure um, how that can be used, I'm happy to talk to you. I'm sure Naomi, who was before me, she'd be happy to help, help you know, direct you to where you want to go. Anybody who's in missions is like, yeah, just go do this, okay? We want to finish the work in our generation. We want to see Jesus Christ come. So um, I would like to, that's the housekeeping stuff. Let's have a prayer. And uh, I'm going to have two prayers right now. I'm going to pray once specifically for you and for the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you, speak through me, and our friends who are going to help us, okay? So let's bow our heads. Father, we are here 
because our lives have changed because of you. Because you sent your son and he has changed our life. We, we are grateful for the everlasting gospel that is really good news. Better news than most people can actually believe. Most people haven't ever heard how good this news is. I pray for my friends here, for each one of us, including myself, that your spirit will speak to us. Give us ears to hear and hearts that are soft and willing to, to follow what you call us to do. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so you know this lady. Her name is Pham Sin. She is an animist in Thailand. She's in her 20s, like some of you here, but she's dying of AIDS. And she contracted this through the usual methods for such a place for someone in her age group. Then there's a guy named Baku. Baku is a Muslim in a non-Arab country. He loves and honors his father, who is the leading imam. You know what an imam is? He's like the Muslim pastor at the local community mosque. Okay? Then there's a guy named Nori. Nori is from a, a tribe way out in the middle of the jungles in Papua New Guinea. And he and his tribe have historically been very violent, and they're actually cannibalistic. You know what cannibalistic means? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, then there's a guy named Ram Gopal. Ram Gopal is a Hindu, and he's actually a pujari. What's a pujari, you ask? I'm happy to tell you. A pujari is someone who sits and he spends hours and hours and hours worshiping an idol, day after day, hour after hour. In Ram Gopal's case, his particular idol is shaped like a male reproductive organ. Ick. Then there's a, guy, a woman named Nok. She's an educated Buddhist from Southeast Asia. She fears and worships spirits, and she deeply respects her family. So what do these five people have in common? If there's something that unites all these people, different religious backgrounds, different uh, geographic backgrounds. I'll tell you what unites them all in a minute. First, I want to pray for them and their people and the people you're going to reach. Shall we pray? Father, we have prayed for ourselves. We do that probably more than we even should. We want to just take a minute right now to pray for people we haven't really thought about too much, people who've never heard the gospel. Um, these are people that some of the people in this room are going to become friends with in the future. People in, um, in Vietnam, in China, in India, in Nepal, in West Africa. Um, even here, locally, there are people still who haven't heard the gospel. But we want to ask you to send your spirit to those people, that you would draw them to yourself and we would like to have a part in that, if that's your will. Um, show us how we can bless these people. But send them your spirit. Send them messengers through your word, uh, through tracks, through the radio, through TV, the internet, whatever it is, that they can reach here and in those places where they don't have the Bible, where they don't have Christian television or radio, or they don't have the websites in their languages. Send them dreams. Send them angels. But above all, Lord, here we are. Send us to them for Jesus' sake and truly 
for Jesus' sake. In his name, amen. So, what do Pham, Baku, Nori, Ram, and Nok all have in common? Every one of these people are now your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Every one of them has decided to make Jesus Christ their Savior and to follow them, and they are all waiting for him at some stage in their life or another. For example, Pham, you knew Pham, Ben, you knew Pham, in Thailand. Though she was stricken with age, she was converted. And she wanted to be baptized before she died, and she was dying. And nobody would let, them, let her get in their body of water. Nobody would let her use the pool. So this is the, probably the most creative baptismal story I've ever heard. They were praying, what do we do, Lord, what do we do? And one of the Thai uh, Bible workers said, Play-Doh. And they're like, what, Play-Doh? What, what are you talking about? Yeah, Play-Doh. Why don't we take the Play-Doh and seal up the pickup truck? and then fill the pickup truck bed with water, and we can baptize her in the back of the pickup truck. And that's what they did. Got to be creative as a missionary, okay? Baku fell in love with Jesus Christ when his father, who was in mom for a mosque, was dying, and he asked a Christian there, would you pray for my father? God answered that prayer. He didn't save him. His father still passed away. But because of that answer to prayer, he decided, and he took a bold stand in front of all these Muslim people and said, this is my Christian missionary friend. He's going to start a church in this town, and I'm going to help him. And now that church is meeting in that man's home, and his daughter is actually studying at an Adventist academy in the United States now. This is a man whose father was the Muslim mosque, leader of the Muslim mosque. Nori, who comes from the cannibalistic tribe, he no longer eats people. He serves them at potluck. As an elder. <laughs> Ram, which is the name of a Hindu god, came up out of the waters of the, of the baptism in the Ganges, a tributary of the Ganges, actually. First thing he says as he comes up out of the water is, I want to change my name. And I asked him, because this is a friend of mine, I said, what do you want to change your name to? He said, Matthew. I said, why Matthew? He said, I don't know, I just like Matthew. So he used to be called by the name of a Hindu god. Now he's called by the name of a disciple of Jesus Christ because he has become one. Amen? So how did this happen? How did these people go from eating people, worshiping male reproductive organs, worshiping all kinds of things, to becoming disciples of Jesus Christ? What's the answer? Missionaries. Really, it's, it's pretty simple. Missionaries. People, normal people, and most of the time, it's normal people like you and me. We go because Jesus asked us to go. And, and we go from different backgrounds, different experiences, and we tell them this good news. I don't know, if you're not, if you were raised in Adventist, I don't know if you know how good, new, how good the good news really is. Really. It's really good news. You know, if you're, if you're raised a Hindu, hey, they don't have any good news. You're going to come back again and be reincarnated as a mosquito. Or something. Or something. Or something. Or something. Thousands of times. The hope for eternal life is just not there. Really. You have really good news. You don't have to die. You can have eternal life. And people respond to that. Amen? How did that happen? Somebody went there and befriended them. And they watched their character and they said, 
you have something I don't. How do I get that? Or somebody's struggling with the situation. Maybe, they're, maybe their child died. Maybe they have a sickness, and, and they're there to pray for them. And they may get well, or maybe they just, maybe they just show them the comfort that they need, and, then, and they realize that, that doesn't happen in our culture, in our religion. What do you have? And you say, I have Jesus. Really, just by being there makes a difference. So, I'm going to touch on just briefly a couple of things. I call them qualifications, but these things grow. And if you're sitting here, you're a young person, you might be in college, you might be in high school, you might be a little bit older. All of these things come with training, and you can be deliberate about this. Okay, so I'm just going to give you a couple things. If you want to take notes, you can. I'm going to go through these pretty quick because I don't have a whole lot of time and I want to give an opportunity for other people to share. So the number one missionary qualification, what do you think that would be? You're converted. You really have a deep, abiding love relationship with Jesus Christ. That means that having worship and having devotion is not something that you have to do. It's something you look forward to. It's something that you really relish and cherish. Okay? You have a, an experience in prayer that when you pray, you've seen God answer prayer. And so when you pray, you're actually talking to him like he's a real person. And you're hoping and expecting that he's going to do something about this. Okay? Then this one's a little touchy. Some people are like, huh, isn't that manipulation? No. Have the ability to persuade people to consider accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I don't find many people are actually thinking that way. I, I'm really thankful we have training programs like NETS and uh, AFCO and Souls West and Arise and Emmanuel. They teach some of that. Okay? I don't know how many of you are practicing or actually going out and giving Bible studies. Pray that you can get start one Bible study and learn how to work with people's minds to lead them to Jesus and then lead them into present truth. Okay? Think about it. Um, if if you've never done that before, pray that you can do it. And in the meantime, at your local church, go teach the early teens. No, seriously. Early teens are the most wonderful group of people because they're, um, they're trying to figure out what they believe. Their mom and dad, if they're, if they're at church for early teens, their mom and dad have probably raised them to be something of an Adventist. They're not sure if it's true. They're not sure if they want to accept it. And so most of the time in class, they're either going to sit there like this, or they're going to push back. And so you have to learn how to overcome objections, which is part of what is the art of soul winning and persuading people. Okay? That was all the first qualification of a missionary. The second one is a willingness to learn. Okay? Most missionaries who actually go overseas are pretty stubborn people. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> but they have a willingness to learn. There's a realization that, hey, I... I, I learned something, but I need a lot more. There's a lot more I can learn. Okay? And, and this is why I really like the soul winning programs. Some of our colleges are, are really pretty good at promoting missions. It's great. Um, if you're going to be a missionary, you have to have pretty good health. And that means not just physical health, but mental health and emotional health. Okay? It does not mean you have to go run marathons. Um, it's just you should be in reasonably good health. If you're, if you're really frail... This is probably not what you should do, because at least at this point, where we're sending missionaries, um, yeah, I, I, I lived on diarrhea in India. 
and tropical diseases like malaria and typhoid and dysentery and dysentery and dysentery. So you have to have a body that can take some of this stuff, okay? Um, you should be educated. What does that mean? If you have a GED, it's okay. Jesus had a GED. He was G-O-D, though. Okay? Seriously, you don't have to have a college degree. You might be skilled in a trade. You might be able to do welding. You might be able to do drywall. Drywall overseas probably isn't going to work. But masonry, gardening. But um, don't blow off education because you're like, oh, Jesus never went to school. I won't go to school either. No, there are things you can learn. And I, I can tell you... Um, if you're an overseas missionary, more often than not, you're going to be put in positions where you're going to meet people of, of power and responsibility. I mean, we had lunch with the former finance ministry of the country of India. That's like the Secretary of the Treasury of the United States. Um, one of our friends is the largest exporter of carpets from India. Very well-to-do people. Okay? So the fact that you can communicate with them uh, on an educated level, that's a good thing. But you don't have to go get a PhD. Please, in fact, don't get a PhD. I, I know we're Adventists. We have educational idolatry. I shouldn't say this. But <clears throat> you don't have to have a PhD. Most people who have PhDs don't ever go as missionaries. Okay? If you want to be a medical missionary, fantastic. You don't have to be a doctor. You can be a nurse. Okay? You can go to Wildwood and get some medical missionary training. Those are good things. The problem, and, and, this, and I'll get to this in a minute, the problem with becoming a doctor at this point is it costs so much money that you're going to spend so much time paying that bill off that by the time you're ready to go as a doctor, you're 60 years old. <laughs> um, anyway, but part of your education, as I mentioned, really needs to be learning how to work with people. Okay? And, and you're not manipulating people. You're learning how to persuade them to say, look, Jesus following, and it's true, isn't it? Following Jesus Christ is the best way to live. It's, it's, it should, should just naturally flow out. Oh, yeah, Jesus does all kinds of amazing things for me. Right? And, and then you figure out how to weave that into a conversation so that people are like, yeah, Jesus, following Jesus is the best way to go. And when you get Muslims doing that, we had this happen in India. We opened the church, and I would ask people, what do you want to thank Jesus for? And these Muslims go, I want to thank Allah. And I said, no, 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 what do you want to thank Jesus for? And they go, I want to, I want to thank Jesus for... And eventually, they came in regularly and they started wanting to thank Jesus for things. It should just flow out of you so that it becomes natural for your friends to say, I want to thank Jesus for things. Okay? Um, chronology and age. Most of you, as I'm looking out here, are young and your hair is not as light as mine. That's really good. Like, now's a really good time to go. If, if, you're think, if you're in college, for example, and you're thinking, you know, I'm thinking about being a student missionary, do it. If you say, well, I want to do it after I graduate, if you've already graduated, do it. But don't wait till after you graduate. Most people will not do it. Because you, you get out of school, and you want to go get a job, you want to buy a, get a, a car payment, and a mortgage, and a cat, and a dog, and a special someone. And then you wake up, you know, you're 50 years old, and go, oh, I really should have done that when I was younger, man. No, for real. So if you're in college now, and you're thinking, yeah, maybe I should go do this. You should go do this. Okay, I've got some friends up here they are going to talk about. They took a year off of school, and they're still living. It didn't kill them. Um, 
You might want to have a language aptitude depending upon where you're going. This is really cool. I haven't had this before. They have a gift for languages right up here. Yeah, he's doing it now, see? <laughs> I got to keep going. Okay, so he's, he's speaking in sign. I wish I knew that gift. Yo hablo español. ¿Cuántos de ustedes hablan español? Hay bastante, ¿no? Si hablan dos idiomas, maravilloso, ¿no? Ustedes no son americanos. <laughs> For the rest of you who are Americans, what I just said, you're not American if you speak more than one language. <laughs> yeah. If you are a young person and you're in school and you haven't learned another language, start. It doesn't matter what language. Get that framework in your brain so that wherever you go, you can pick up another language easier because you already have the framework on how to learn a language up there. Okay, so I speak Spanish. I, I speak almost fluently when I was younger. And I, I, then I got converted and I said, God, I'm going to go to Spain or Mexico or something. And he said, go to India. <laughs> and I thought, what's that all about? Anyway, but I went to India with my wife. Anybody speak Hindi? No, I won't waste your time. Hindi bolte So, if you have a framework for learning a language, you can superimpose another language on top of that. That's why if you go to Europe, if you have like a GYC Europe, how many of you speak seven languages? Like half the room goes... <laughs> because they do. That's what they do in Europe. Anyway, you should have common sense, okay? Really, everybody up here just went like this. All the missionary people who've started serving already? Yeah, you better have common sense. You know why it's common sense? Why it's called common sense? Because it's not very common. <laughs> if all your friends call you airhead, you might want to rethink being a missionary. No, okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Nobody gets called an airhead here. You're at GYC. Um, you should have a steadiness of purpose. Okay, This is not something that you're just going to go out and do for a week or two. It's a steadiness of purpose. You're going to go out and serve as a missionary. Um, you should have doctrinal views that are consistent with the church. You're not out there trying to, you know, look at this new theology. Jesus is actually eating veggie links up in the most heavenly sanctuary. No, no. Okay? You should be studying your Bible and reading the spirit of prophecy. You do not need to dissect everything anybody has ever said about the nature of Christ. You should know what you believe, believe what we believe, and if you don't believe what we believe, then you shouldn't go and represent the seven day, as yourself as a Seventh-day Adventist missionary. I mean, we have people apply to our organization who say, well, I believe everything, but I'm not baptized. Well, then why aren't you baptized? And, and I'm, I don't know, there may be somebody here, and, and, and I'm, you know, this is my appeal, um, if, you, if you've been going to Seventh-day Adventist Church and you believe what we believe, why don't you commit your life to Jesus Christ and, and make up your mind, yeah, I'm going to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Okay? We're, that's the kind of people who need to go out and be Seventh-day Adventist Christian missionaries. Um, now, I don't want to take away from Sebastian and his wife's seminar, but should you be married or should you be single? Does it matter? <clears throat> No, this is not preaching. <laughs> really. This is practical thinking, actually. If you're going to go as a student missionary, you know, while you're in college, you shouldn't be married. And, I mean, unless you already are married. But you don't need to be married to go for a year or two or three or something like that. Okay? If you're 32 years old and in the back of your mind you hear this, 
you might want to think about picking up a something that's a good thing from the Lord and favor from the Lord. <laughs> right? Okay? So, and seriously, I have an application. I just got it from a person who I won't say. Um, they said they have the gift of celibacy. Not everybody has that. If you, if you know you can do that, great. Not everybody can do that. Um, you know, Paul talks about being single and how he's totally committed and he's able to accomplish more things. I am very thankful that my wife was with me in India. We were together, and I would be dead if she wasn't there. No, really, I would be, because there were times that I was so sick that she had to nurse me back to health. God always sent people out two by two, okay? So, and let me just tell you this, if you're going to go out with AFM, and most mission agencies, not all of them, you are not going to go out there alone. We'll send you out there with somebody. If you're going to go out with AFM as a student missionary, we're going to send you out there with a, a career missionary family, somebody who's been out there for three, five, seven, ten, twenty years, and you will serve alongside those people, Okay? Um, you should be financially free. Does anybody, anybody have student loans? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. When I got converted, immediately the Lord said, you need to get out of debt. And so for two years, I didn't buy anything except my food. And then occasionally he taught me things. But... I sold things. I sold my $2,000 stereo for 500 bucks. Asked me, it's a great story. Um, I just started selling things to get out of debt. And in two years, I was completely out of debt. And I had roughly, nowadays, I'm old, so this, in modern day, I would have about $60,000 worth of debt. So if you like rice and beans, you can do this. Really. And you should learn how to manage your finances anyway. You should get out of debt anyway. Whether you go as a missionary or not, get out of debt as soon as you can. Amen? I'm, I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey and Crown Financial Ministries. And then, this, this is an obvious one, and it's not the last one. It's kind of uh, paralleling the first one, which is you should have a Christian character. Okay? If I go and I open your history on your website, on your browser, and some of your extensions on your websites have like the last letters of the alphabet there, only it's not Z or Y, it's X. Don't, don't apply, really. Or uh, plead with God, uh, yeah, if you're going to see porn, okay, which in a group this big, a bunch of you are, Christ can give you victory. He can give you victory. Really. I, I, I know. He can give you victory, Okay. So don't be afraid. He can give you victory. Um, and if, if your friends say, yeah, yeah, he's a real Christian guy. Oh, yeah, she's a Christian girl. Praise the Lord. But if, if things come out of your mouth that are, you know, kind of salty and uh, you prefer rude jokes and R-rated movies, maybe you need to talk to Jesus about that a little bit before you go as a missionary. You know, I don't know if anybody was here earlier. They showed my father-in-law's place out in India, Living Springs Overseas Missions. They're looking for uh, people to help with midwifery and, and teachers, and they have an orphanages and so on. And they had a kid come out from one of our, you know, Adventist universities. I won't tell you which one in Tennessee it was. Um, <laughs> and the guy was a total waste product because all he did was watch movies. And it's not just the one in Tennessee, it's the one in California, it's the one in uh, Michigan. You know, I mean, it's us, right? We need to pray for victory over this stuff. 
so we can be more effective for Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. If you have a Bible, this, uh, this is not a big Bible study. One text, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In fact, it's on the back of that sheet as well. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So here's a geographic progression that outlined by Jesus before he launches back up into heaven. And this is what he's going to do for us, in us, and through us. And he actually expects us to cooperate with him in this, right? So we will receive power. What kind of power are we talking about? I'm not talking about the gobbledygook prosperity gospel stuff that evangelicals are preaching. What's the power for? The power to do the work of spreading the gospel, right? Okay? And maybe even to power to do some pretty amazing things, like casting demons out of people. Does that still happen today? Yes, it does. Praying for people who are sick and watching them be healed. Does that still happen today? Yes, it does. Praying for dead people to get up and they wake up. Does that still happen today? Yes, it does. Do we do that stuff? No, we don't. Jesus Christ can do that in you and through you. He will give you that power. If you've never seen any of that happen, maybe you need to put yourself out there and say, okay, God, give me the power. I'm going to step out in faith and go take these steps to move forward. So where do you start? You start in Jerusalem. Where is Jerusalem? No, I'm not talking about in the Middle East. I'm talking about for you, your Jerusalem is your local, where your closest environment is, okay? Those who are closest to you, your home, maybe your home church, okay? Now, that, where's the next place it talks about? Judea. Where's Judea for you? Where would Judea be? Your school, your work, people kind of share the same idea that you do, but they don't necessarily know Jesus, okay? And then there's Samaria. What's Samaria? Geographically, here's, here's Jerusalem. And here's Judea, and then here's Samaria. What's Samaria about? These are people who kind of know about God, but they kind of their their minds a little warped. They don't really understand it fully. They think they do, but you can share with those people. How, how many of you have ever witnessed to somebody locally? Just share the gospel with somebody you know close by. Pretty easy, right? And then you share with somebody. Let's say, if you share with an Adventist, it's, yeah, okay, we're just talking amongst ourselves. Then you share with people who, who are converted Christians, but they're not Adventists. That's, an, that's like going to Judea. Then you go to Samaria. That's like talking to somebody who's a secularist. He's got a nose ring and uh, tats all over his body. And, and he doesn't really understand everything. So you're trying to show him a picture of God that he's never seen before. If you, you know, like um, anybody ever heard uh, Ty Gibson's story, The Atheist on the Plane? It's a great story. You know, Ty Gibson meets this guy on a plane. He's an atheist. And he says, what do you do? I'm a preacher. He said, and the guy said, but I'm an atheist. And, and Ty says, I'm, but I'm an atheist. What do you, he said, what do you mean? He said, well, tell me about the God you don't believe in. Most people don't have a good picture of God. They think he's this angry guy with lightning bolts going to zap him. And so Ty said, I don't believe in that God either. But if I were to tell you about a God who loves you so much that he was willing to come and die for you, would you worship that God? He said, yeah, I don't know that God. So he starts to tell him about Jesus. Okay? He's in Samaria. And then we go to the uttermost parts of the world, the ends of the earth. And these are the far-off places that you watch on National Geographic Channel. People have some really funky ideas about God, and their customs are kind of strange. 
they really don't know anything, if, if anything, if they've even heard about Jesus. And frankly, you don't know much about what they believe either. Right? So, having said that, let me flip this around a little bit, because I want you to look at this verse a different, little differently. I want you, that was geographic. I want you to think of it chronologically. And this is not a bad thing. This is not an indictment, because there is a time and a place for this. But we're talking about mission service. There's a two-week, so you start off with a two-week mission trip, then you go as a student missionary for a year, and then you go as, for a career, as a career missionary. So there's a progression here, okay? Now let's imagine that you are a Seventh-day Adventist Christian in your hometown, and this guy comes from Syria, a refugee from Syria. He speaks kind of broken English, and uh, he comes and he preaches at your school for two weeks so that you can become a Muslim. And then he goes away and you never see him again. Do you think he would have much of a chance of leading you to become a Muslim? But that's what we believe. We go on these two-week mission trips, we preach for two weeks, and then we go away, for, and we never see these people again. Now, I'm not against two-week mission trips. If you're doing something that's adding value to the people, if you're building a building, if you're doing medical work, great. Okay? Just be realistic in your expectations. You show up at my school, preach for two weeks about your religion, and then you go away and I'm never going to see you again? Unless there's a miracle of the Holy Spirit, not very many people are going to come to Jesus Christ. Right? But, but if you go for a year, and you make friends with somebody, and you sweat with them, and you cry with them, and you laugh with them, and you play with them, and you point them to Jesus, maybe you teach them, maybe they teach you, at the end of the year, you've made a friend for eternity, maybe. And if you stay there for a long time, you can make several of those friends. And the reality is, eventually, you're either going to leave or die, and those people are going to have to carry the work forward. Does that follow? You understand what I'm saying there? Okay. Um, I have some friends, and I actually have more friends than... I wasn't sure if everybody would show up, so I invited a whole bunch of friends. Would you like to come and sit up here? Some of you? I, I, I would invite Shorty, Derek, <laughs> you'll see why I'm calling Shorty. You've got to stand straight up, please, please, just for fun. Thank you. See, he's not even on the podium, he's taller than me. <laughs> Derek, we're, um, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to use both mics. Can we do that, whoever my mic person was? We'll try it. This is Derek. Derek, where did you serve? Is this mic still working? Okay. Uh, you can use, at this point, real name. I'm going to come down there, too. So, Derek, where did you serve? I was in uh, western, very far western China. Okay, so he was in far western China serving amongst a Muslim people group in China. Okay? Uh, Morgan, Megan, one of you good ladies come up. Actually, why don't you both come up and sit next to Derek? They're sisters. And we're going to need more chairs. You want to pass the mic to them? Now, check this out. The ministry that I'm with, called Adventist Frontier Missions, we only go to the places where the church is not, where the church can actually not reach their own people. Okay, so in far, far western China, there were, amongst the, the people group he worked among, how many, how many Adventists were there? Two? One? Um, as far as I know, the first baptized Adventist was baptized in the fall of 2015. So there's one. There are places on the planet like this still, folks. Okay? And that you were missionaries in what country? We were both in Ireland. Ireland. Is that a mission field? 
probably depends on how you view Catholicism. Hmm? How many, now, how many Adventists? There's got to be a lot of Irish Adventists, right? How many are there? There's about a thousand They're prejudiced against this, okay? And this guy slipped up here on the end just because, Matt, just tell your name. They were, he was in Ireland as well, okay? Hi, G, come in and come up. So I'm, I'm inviting some of my friends, different, different backgrounds. That was good, Derek. Derek Derek's like 6'10", six, 6'8", six, six, and he went to China. <laughs> <laughs> It was kind of like a joke, you know? <laughs> they called him Yao Ming. Um, no, they didn't. Hi, Ji. Tell them where you went. Um, no. She's going to tell you the fake place. I went to Southeast Asia. And, and uh, the Taikadai people. She's actually going back, which is why we're trying to hide some of this. And I'm just debating, debating whether to ask another friend of mine to come up here, because this is on film. She's going to sit in her chair. But another friend of mine um, is here, and, and actually, I'm really glad you're here because of the reason that you're sitting in chair. So, um, and Benya's over here. She was in Thailand. You want to come sit up here? Johanna's here. Did Karen? Do you see Karen? Okay, you can stay there. I'm going to actually just call you out because we went out. So I asked different people from different backgrounds to come up here. So some of my friends went as student missionaries for one year. Some of them went for, and stayed for two years. Um, Benya actually was, you were born here. You were born there. You were born in Malaysia. Okay. Spent most of her life uh, in Thailand. Actually, has only spent four years in the U.S. Okay. So she's actually more Thai than she is uh, American. Our children were born in India and actually spent most of their life, in first part of their life in India. Um, I wanted you to get a feel for Different people from different backgrounds. Now, Matt, you were in college when you went? Union? Uh, Weimar. Weimar, okay. You know what? I, I need to be conscious of the mic. I'm sorry. Okay, so you were at Weimar, yeah. and you had completed one year of school or two? Um, a half a year. A half a year, and you decided you're going to go do this, and it really screwed up your education, right? No, it, it built on my education. Ah, yes, yes. Okay, so and it, say that again. Okay, so seriously, I, I don't know where you're at out, at out there, but I know a lot of young people are like, I'm going to college, I'm not sure what I want to do, you're going to do one or two years of generals, and you're hoping that in the course of that you're going to figure out what you want to do. I would encourage you, seriously, take a year, uh, go as a student missionary, try, try teaching, try doing something, okay? And if you find out, hey, I'm really made for this, great. If you find out, I don't want to ever do that again, you learn. Okay, so what are you doing now? Um, I'm nursing you. There you go. And what did, what did you plan on doing? Uh, before that, I was thinking about something in the health-related field. I wasn't sure exactly what, but I hope you that. Okay, and um, Megan, let me just ask you. I'm sorry, I'll get you. I can do that all the time. Morgan, um, Megan and Morgan and their sisters. I could confuse, sorry. Where were you at school? You were homeschooled. You had graduate? Okay. So if you've taken a year off from school, you can still do this. Okay. And what made you decide you wanted to do this? I was 
So I was just gonna go to community college and start taking classes and like what we're supposed to do and figure out our lives. But I met the um, uh, division leaders for the European division during all my LCAT. And they asked me what I was gonna be doing. So I told them, well, we don't really know what you wanna do. Why don't you go to engineering? So I went. Good, and it was a good experience. And she continues to work with us in the summers for the past three years? Two years? Two summers. I'm thinking next summer, too. Thanks. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. And what made you decide to go? Because you were doing online courses, right? Yeah. yeah I was in the middle of taking online classes to become uh, working on a degree towards master's degree in healthcare. And the call was to do a lot of health evangelism. And it gave me a lot of experience in that area that taught me a lot about how to personally work with people. And, it, and it's going to prove helpful for the rest of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Good, good. Okay, Derek? Derek, you had a, a kind of a different call. What did you do when you were overseas? Yeah, what did you do? Um, aside from uh, spending time learning the language, my job was to make friends. How cool is that? Really, my job is to make friends. That's the job of every missionary. Did you make friends? Yes. I, I, you met someone who actually ended up becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ while you were out there, right? Yeah, yeah and I, this person comes from a Muslim background in far western China. Guess what? You get like 20,000 stars in your crown for every Muslim person from the background <laughs> in far western China. So he's like, crown is really heavy already. So, and... If you want to see something really cool, I'm sorry, I don't mean to embarrass you, but Derek has a gift for memorization, and the, my favorite worships I've ever been to, he recites the chapter on Calvary from Desire of Ages. It's really beautiful. Anyway, don't mean to embarrass you. Heidi, you, why'd you go? What made you decide to go? I actually uh, applied in 2009 and I got rejected. Um, it wasn't my fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, if, you, if you have student loans and you, you want to talk to me about that program, talk to me. I'm serious. Okay, please continue. Thank you. So, Benya has a unique perspective because she's actually a missionary kid. In other words, she was raised in the mission field, right? Is that a fair thing? Okay. So, now that you've been back in the U.S., do you regret having lived in overseas? Okay. And I'm going to ask a similar question. What's the best part about, in your case, being raised overseas? Like, I was just doing, like, evangelism, like, 
preaching or anything, but I was making friends with other kids. And I was able to like, learn about other cultures at a really young age and grow different skills and how to um, understand like other cultures um, and be more empathetic and build deep relationships with people that can um, help. Yeah, actually, um, we're not really good at deep relationships in this culture. How many Facebook friends do you have? Don't, raise, don't answer that question. How many deep friendships do you have? If you want to learn how to develop deep relationships, this is a really good way to do it. And I would suggest, and I, you can all nod your head at this and make me look good, the deepest relationship you're going to develop as a student missionary is with Jesus Christ. Okay? If you go as a student missionary for a year, it's not always fun. You get lonely. And we don't match you up with some girl out there or some guy or, you know, <laughs> no loneliness like that, okay? But you find that Christ is faithful, right? The Bible becomes sweet, much sweeter than ever, okay? Now, I'm going to um, ask a question of a friend of mine who's behind the camera for a reason, because thank you for being here. You went as a student missionary. Can you hand the mic to the person who's behind the camera? We aren't gonna, even going to say her name. You went as a student missionary. Was that a good experience? Amen. Amen. So, having heard that answer, it probably shouldn't surprise you that now what are you going to do? Okay, so a career missionary, what does that mean? Okay, so this may freak you out a little bit if you're young, but um, we need people to go. Now, you think about this. You go into a culture where they've never heard the gospel before. Somebody needs to learn that language. Somebody needs to develop materials in that language so that those people can hear the gospel. You need to make friends, make disciples for Christ, train those people to become leaders so that they can take the work forward, and that takes time, Right? Again, nothing against short-term mission trips as long as they're really adding value to the local, local um, congregation, local people. But you can't do a short-term mission trip if there aren't any already Adventists on the ground there because there's no one to go to. So I don't think I'll say your name, but she's going to... I can say the country if, if I don't say your name, right? She's going to Vietnam, which is a communist country, which is why we're not saying her name, Okay. Um, she has some friends going with her. We're hoping that uh, this happens soon. Um, but please pray for her and others who are going out. Um, we have some friends here who are going to Tibet. We just have to talk about it a little more. Also an uh, undercover country. Um, let me ask you, um, Begin, what's your, what was your favorite experience? Your favorite experience? Maybe that wasn't on the list of things I told you I'd ask you. Okay. Oh. There's obviously, yeah, but um, actually for when all three were at, in Ireland together, and I guess the biggest thing for us that we really enjoyed was working with um, the nuns that were in the convent there. And they're some of the most godly people we've ever met. 
just to just to see them change their perspective of who God is and who, how they have grown up and um, you know just completely changing their their relationship with the Lord. Amen. So that that was really cool to see that. So, have you ever thought about being a missionary, going to be, give Bible studies to nuns in a convent? Probably hasn't crossed your radar before, right? God will open up amazing opportunities. Just give them an opportunity to do that. Um, Johanna and Karen, I would just, um, I could say your names and you can appear on film. Can you hand her the mic? <clears throat> just tell, what, how old were you when you went overseas? You were 10, and you were 12, 13, okay? And where did you go? Those place where they eat people. I don't know if the group you're, not where you lived. Okay, good. Potlucks again. What's that? In, yeah. So, and your parents are still there, right? And how long have they been there? Is it really already? Wow. And, and so you're back at Andrews now. Right? You're both at Andrews. Are you graduating soon? Yeah, pretty quick. Okay. So, so you went at 10 and you went at 13 and you were there for about six years? You were there the eight years and you, you would have been there six years. Okay. And it really hurt, your, hurt you academically? It screwed up your life? Or it was a really good experience? What do you think? They're brilliant, by the way, but, you know, it, it wouldn't have mattered. You're just brilliant. So it was neat because I was in the exhibit hall, and this lady who, if you know people from Papua New Guinea, they're very distinctive looking. And this lady from Papua New Guinea walks up to the table, and she's looking at things. And, and I said, um, oh, we've got some people there. And she said, yeah, I met Karen. It's like they, you just go to those people now because they're your people. You are part of their, their family. So um, here's another question for you and, and anybody who's gone overseas. Did any of you go on short-term mission trips, two or three weeks? Can I raise your hand? Yeah. How many of you who are here, how many of you have been on those? Okay. I think they're great if we're adding value to the people. And the other thing is it's actually a good preparation in terms of you go over there. The first time you go over there, it's like, wow, wow, the people live like this, right? If you go over there for a year, you go, wow, people live like this, and I'm going to live like this for a year. And you do okay, you really. You realize we are stuffed monsters in this country. Really, think back to your two-week time, and you come back here and you're like, I don't want to be such a stuffed monster. Well, don't become one, okay? This is a good way to get de-stuffed, really. Um, I don't like this question. You want to pass this along to, actually, pass it to Ashley. Ashley, where did you serve? I was in Tanzania. She was in Tanzania, okay. And um, what were you doing there? I was working at an elementary school at um, Kibadula. At Kibadula Farms. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So are you a teacher? No, but I was trained. Yes. Okay. Do you want to be a teacher for the rest of your life? Not really. Aha. Uh Aha. -huh. Uh -huh. So you learned that you didn't want to be a teacher? Well, I learned that I enjoyed teaching more than I thought I would. Okay. That's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had some... 
a friend of ours who went out from Andrews, and he went out, and he was teaching, and he came back, and he said, I'm going to be a business major. So <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, what made you decide to go? Good. Okay. So if you've been someplace, maybe God will send you back there. Or maybe he'll send you someplace completely different. Like I mentioned, you know, I speak Spanish, and then God says, okay, I want you to go to India. Just follow what he wants you to do. It'll be amazing. Okay? Um, has anybody got a story where you say, yeah, God really touched me and said, you need to go? Anybody? You know, I mean, like, go ahead. I'm not saying your name again, so. Um, I remember, uh, a little louder. Watching a video that some Antoinette had set up was called Deep Ether. And every time I would watch it often. Because one of the things that struck me is that, in a sense, for 52 times of the year, I can hear the gospel preached 52 different things in different ways. But there's half of the world that have never even heard of the second one. The first one, and they keep talking about the second one. Amen. It's not fair. And that, that convicts me that I need to go out there. Yeah, I mean, if you're at GYC, how many times are you going to hear the gospel? We hope you're hearing the gospel at every seminar. You're hearing about Jesus Christ. If you have morning devotions, evening devotions. If you're at school and they have chapel. Not all of you go to Adventist school. That's fine. Have your own chapel. Okay. But how many times do you hear, get to hear the gospel? And there are people who never get to hear the gospel at all. And I want to be conscious of your time. So um, the video you're talking about, you can serve. All of you have a copy of it if you sat in the front rows here, in the first, like, 20 rows, because it it's inside there. It's in the DVD. Okay, there's four DVDs on there. And we will be handing you DVDs as you go out the door. Um, so and it, it's a different DVD than the one you will have. I want to give you all a, an opportunity. Does anybody have any questions um, about serving as a missionary? Any background, anything? Anybody have a question? Oh, there's a call. I'm not, not taking calls right now. Questions? No questions? Oh, yes. Hi. I'm just That's a great question. So the question was, I'm going to repeat it because this is being recorded, why did we reject her? And the answer is, that's private information. <laughs> I, I can tell you, we have a great relationship, and I, she's a good friend, and I have no idea. I really don't remember. So. I really, you were rejected, really. My, was it debt? What was it? Um, I think it was student loans. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was probably it. It's not, it wasn't her. Okay? It, it, the, uh, the government has now got a provision so that with student loans, you can get them deferred or you can get them, um, you repay them on the basis of your income. They did not have that at the time when she first applied. So if you had $70,000 worth of student loans, and I can't defer them, or put it on a, a basis where it's based on your income you're going to make as a student missionary, you, you can't service your loan while you're overseas. So, but, okay, yeah. you may. Okay. So, I know that there has been stories 
years where people would have student loans and then can go out of nowhere somebody pay their student loans. So I guess personally, for me, I can really attest that during that time I was not ready to go. Um, maybe I, I always knew that when I was, you know, when I was younger that I would become a missionary overseas. But really during that time, looking back now, I would not have been able to, um, to really take on the challenge out in the field. And I think God gave me the need to be matured more um, after how many years before I was able to actually be effective in the field. And uh, it really is a blessing for me. I really Great. And, and just, just as a uh, point here, we had a guy who applied to uh, serve with us as a career missionary, not as a student missionary, as a career missionary. He really wanted to go, but he had $45,000 in student loans. We started praying. A guy called him up, said, boom, covered. $45,000. Let me say this. I was not raised a Seventh-day Adventist. This is the amazing message. This is the last message the world's going to ever hear. And there are people out there, wealthy individuals, who are very generous. Really, they're very generous. And they'll call us up and they'll say, hey, I got 10 grand. What should I do with it? And I'll say, give it to Ashley. Actually, I had the opportunity to do that last week. Somebody came into my office. I have some money. Where do you want me to do it? And I gave it to somebody. So be friends with me. <laughs> okay, other questions? Anybody? All right, so I want to do something. Uh, we're going to close. Hannah, could you go to the door? Maybe Sarah can help you with the DVDs. So as you're on your way out, we have some project DVDs. If you want one, take one. Even if you don't have a DVD player, maybe your friend does, your mother, father still do. <laughs> um, I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to pray for them, and they're going to pray for you. Don't pray for yourself. You pray for the other person. And then pray for the people God is going to use you to reach. Okay? And I don't know what their names are. They might be the Tibetans. They might be the Vietnamese. They might be the North Dakotans. Let's hope not, although they need to be reached too. Let's take a moment to pray, and then I will have a corporate prayer together, okay? This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.